Hello and welcome to Ventient Energy's Climate of Change podcast. I'm Sam Ballard. I'll be hosting today's session and this is DEI Unplugged, Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Unplugged. And the focus of this series is to get a better understanding of real life diversity challenges at work so that we can help organizations become more inclusive and equal. We'll be covering a range of topics in the series and our guests will bring their experience of diversity at work to share with us uh, the challenges they've faced, how the workplace or colleagues have helped overcome them uh, and what we can all do better. So today we're going to explore how menopause and perimenopause can affect women at work and we'll talk about the strategies and policies that companies can implement to provide support for that. Now menopause and perimenopause are natural phases of a woman's life but they can have a profound impact on various aspects of their lives including their careers so it's really important for us to create a workplace that is supportive, understanding and inclusive because menopause can be a challenging subject even just to bring up due to general lack of awareness about what it actually is, what it means, the effects it can have, uh, symptoms, ingrained societal taboos and the general discomfort that that can provoke in even initiating conversations about it. So our aim today isn't simply to discuss the difficulties that can arise when a woman enters the menopause or perimenopause, but also to provide insights, solutions and a hope to help empower both women and companies to navigate these challenges, generally make things a little easier for, for everybody. So I'm really pleased to be joined today by my colleague and friend, Davina Kulpatia, who is part of the Brandon Comms team here at Ventient. Davina looks after all our events, but she also takes on a large part of our admin activities in the Brandon Comms team. It's really the glue that holds us all together as a team as well, and stops us spending all of our time on, on flights of creative fantasy, without which we probably wouldn't get an awful lot actually done. So Davina, welcome. It's great to have you here. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Good. Um, now, you started going through perimenopause yeah. this year. Oh, last year. Last year. Last, last year. year. Okay. Yeah. It started, what are we now? We're in May. So I'd say actually maybe it pretty much started this time last year. Okay. But probably unbeknownst to me, there were certain elements to it. Just so people know, because I think people hear the words and don't necessarily understand the words. So the menopause obviously is something that most women go through in their life and it's classed as you're going through the menopause when you haven't had a period in 12 consecutive months. Yeah. Perimenopause is the bit before that where you are still getting your periods regularly or intermittently. So you've started on that journey. Your body's already changing. So that probably, yeah, that started for me probably last year and some of the symptoms associated, which there are many, I started suffering from some of those symptoms. So it started creeping in, I'd say, at that point. But at that point, would I have said that I was going through this? No, I would have been like, things had just started to change. And that's that's an interesting thing, because when I was doing some reading on this, I saw a statistic that said that approximately 25% of the female workforce, generally speaking, obviously this is very broad, but it's estimated that they're experiencing either menopause or, or perimenopause. So this yeah. is quite a common thing. Yep. And like you said, you maybe hadn't realised you'd started. So there may no. be people who are going through yep. perimenopause, experiencing some of the symptoms, and they're not actually aware that that's what's happening, which I imagine can be confusing, a little bit disorientating. Very confusing. You know something's happening, but you don't know what is happening. And it's not something I know a huge amount about. I'm beginning to know more because obviously I'm going through it. So I'm doing a bit more research. 
the conception, a misconception, should I say, of when you say menopause to somebody is little old woman, yeah, you know, who's like 80 and that's it and that's what you think of and you're like, okay. Or if you think of someone going through the menopause, you're like, oh, well, you know, it's hot flushes and bad tempers and, yeah, that all plays a part of it. But some women have some of these symptoms, none of these symptoms, all of these symptoms. It varies on woman to woman. So when you don't know what the symptoms are, but you're experiencing some of them. So for my big one that started probably last year was my emotional reaction to most things, which was, in my case, crying. I got very emotional. And this was on stuff that I would do every day, but it was something that I would know how to do. And my first reaction to it was to cry, regardless of what it was. So it was the same if you're asking me to make a cup of tea to building an engine for a car. The default reaction, Davina's going to cry about it. And after that, I would then sit there and go, oh, I can't do this. And another one of those symptoms was, for me, anxiety and loss of confidence. And that all happens, and it affects a lot of women, those three things. But individually, I could potentially speak to somebody about it. And this will happen sometimes for women is they go and speak to somebody and they think, oh, you know, I'm losing my confidence. Oh, it's an age thing. Okay, it's, you know, I'll just have to go with it. And you could go to the doctor and then you get, you know, misdiagnosed and then you end up on antidepressants. So it, yeah, yeah. if you don't know what it is or how it could affect you, it's really hard. So for me, it was this, the lot of crying and just this anxiety, generally loss of confidence and then a whole doubt thing of I'm not doing my job right. And it just, it just, it can just escalate. And I was just, going to say these are potentially unrelated symptoms yeah, yeah. because you could get one or and any of them or none of them, but equally getting one of them probably then leads actually to other that escalation. Like you say, the, the fact that you do start crying or you suddenly have this self-doubt then yeah. makes you feel the anxiety because then you're thinking about what's going to happen next. Yeah. Am I going to have this problem tomorrow? And in your case, we, we make jokes in the team about process yeah, and yeah. how you're the the person who keeps us in line and, and keeps us yep. sort of on the straight and narrow, if you will, stops us messing around so much and make sure that we're doing things in the right way and, and sort of ticking the boxes that need to be ticked for all the various other departments in the company. So for you, I guess that was potentially something then that would be a big effect. It was absolutely huge. Yeah, I am very process driven. I like an A to B to C and I like to know, you know, I like to plan and know how things are going. So one of the other symptoms, a common system uh, symptom is foggy brain or forgetfulness. And, you know, people have had that when they've had baby brain and stuff. I haven't had children, so I've never experienced that. So most of my working life, I've always had to be on point. And my role within the brand and comms team, obviously, planning for events internally, externally, parties, prepping for the bulletin or the all hands of things that where I'm coordinating a lot of people, a lot of info, which to me is one of my skill set, which I find very easy to do. All of a sudden, those little tasks were becoming a little bit, you know, I had to think about it more or I would drop something or I'd be scared of dropping something. And then you feel like you're off your game and then you're like, oh, and then again, that starts that spiraling starts like, yeah. of, oh, this is happening. That's happening. So it was very much like, yeah, a lot of worry about have I done this right? And just little things of like being sat down every day at your screen, the concentration isn't there. So that goes as well. So you kind of ebb and flow into it. So it's, there's lots of things that make up a lot of the symptoms. And like, 
one shoe doesn't fit all. What I'm experiencing does not mean that the next person's going to experience it the no. same. But yeah, it does, it can cause issues and the way you work or how you think you're working or how you think you're performing, which then triggers other things of like, you start stressing that I haven't done this or I haven't done this right or I didn't get this. So I don't understand. And well, we talked, we touched on it a little bit, but the symptoms, there are mental, yeah. mental health, if you like, symptoms such as the changes to your mood, the anxiety. And you say, you know, the brain fog, problems yes. with concentration. What? And then we've got, and you mentioned a couple of them, physical yep. symptoms as well that you, again, may or may not yep. experience. And, and again, maybe all, maybe none, maybe some. And you mentioned the hot flushes, hot flashes and so on. But you could also get muscle aches, you get the pains yep. and lack of sleep. That's a huge one for me. That was a huge one. That and the emotive response, was, I think, my big biggest two. I would wake up in the morning absolutely exhausted from very interrupted sleep, wake up physically tired, like my body was heavy, like I couldn't get myself out of bed. The thought of getting out of bed was hard. I just wanted to sleep. I could just sleep. It's very deliberating, but, but the, there's nothing, I'm not saying there's nothing physically wrong, because there is, because your body's going through a change. But yeah, those are the two big ones that affected me the most, and then for me had an impact on my working day, because I couldn't, sit or I couldn't work for long periods because I was so tired and then because of that then you feel that you know the guilt you're not doing there you're not doing your job you're not performing and then that whole thing starts again that whole spiral so it is a bit of a merry-go-round however because I was able to talk to my line manager about it very openly and honestly we were able to have a kind of dialogue of okay what's affecting you what's affecting me and how are we going to how are we going to do it? So, yeah, that's an interesting one as well. So you mentioned as well, your line manager is a woman. Yep. And you had a conversation with her about this and, and talked through it and worked yeah. through it. And you and I had a half conversation. Yeah, we I think we had a we had a conversation and, and you talked to, to me about the fact that you had, you know, these mood swings that you could, yep. you were in a moment where you might potentially break down and cry for any random reason while yep. you're just having a chat on Teams. <laughs> Which I then didn't associate no. with perimenopause. No. And for me, looking in from the outside as well, that didn't, you know, I didn't see any, I didn't see any effect on, on your work. I mean, I'm, I'm aware now, obviously, more of, of yeah. how it was affecting you and how you were and saying, you know, I need to shut down for yeah. a few hours because I just, I can't do anything physically. So from my point of view, looking in from the outside and not knowing what you were, exactly what you were going through, it felt like a, a moment when we had that conversation and I hadn't then consider that that might be something carrying on. Yeah. And again, hadn't noticed it affecting you. So you obviously had the conversation with your line manager. Was that easier, do you think, because she was a Definitely. woman? So she's a much younger female than I am. So this is not on her horizon. However, she's female, so she's been, you know, as most females, you cope with the, your biological things that are happening, you know, periods and all of this, and all the things that are associated with that. And eventually it will be on her horizon so yes it is a lot easier say for example if you were my boss I think I would find it easy to talk to you because a we do get on b you're the same age as me so therefore you you have a wife who's roughly the same age as me who may or may not be going through this and you're a daughter of a of a girl so you've been through that kind of you know the period chat and the puberty chat and stuff you've done that so you have an understanding if you were a male who was 10 years younger than me yeah, that would, that would have been a much harder conversation. Oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. I mean, we're talking about the difficulty maybe in talking to a man. 
or a male colleague or, or male, let's say, um, pretend male line manager who, who's younger than you may not know about that. And I totally understand that because, like I said at the start of this, it's not a topic that we talk about a lot. It's one of those taboo subjects, the, the things that we should Very be much, talking yeah. about, you know, even basic things like money. We don't talk about money the way we should talk no. about money. We don't educate ourselves on, you know, finance yeah. and how, how fat things work. So let's, you know, forget about things that, that have any sort of connection to sex or, or reproduction or anything like that. And I did when I was preparing for this this conversation with you, knowing what we were going to be talking about and doing some research to make sure that I had a better understanding. Yeah. I spoke to my wife about it. Okay. And that even was a was difficult at first. She didn't want to have a, a conversation with me about it particularly. Didn't feel immediately comfortable. Understandable. And I think a lot of women probably feel that way. Not with me necessarily, <laughs> but generally speaking. I mean when I asked her, you know, who would you feel comfortable talking about? She said, you know, nobody no. particularly. You know, I wouldn't want to talk to my doctor, I wouldn't want to talk no. you know, I just and we were talking, um, you know, about other people who we know who have just gone through yeah. this whole thing, which can last for years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it can the typical sort of period being perimenopause and menopause being sort of two to ten years. Yeah. But the actual symptoms can then carry on for much longer than that. Oh, yeah. You could potentially have them until the end of your working career. Yep. Let's say. And there are lots and lots of women who don't have that conversation, no. who will just suffer in silence try and very much so. hide or, or feel the necessity to hide what they're going through yeah. and, and so how do we go about then trying to make that easier for women to make it easier for them to have a conversation and that that's probably a two-way thing in the sense that we need to do things within the company yeah. to, to make sure that there's educational and people are aware of it but then equally empower those women to feel comfortable in mm. actually starting conversation with whoever their manager might yeah, be or colleagues completely. that they need to be informing us. I think it's really important to stress, you've touched on it, so perimenopause can start from like generally 35, most common in your 40s, like I said, I'm 46, so they started for me last year. And then you run into menopause, whatever, obviously that's going to happen, that tends to be more in your kind of your 50s. But you can be going through this transition for 20 years, maybe 30 years, depending on how early you start. So that's a big chunk of your working life. And considering that, you know, most women are going to be working into their 60s, I think 67 for the UK, or is that what they're looking at? Maybe moving up to 69, I'm not yeah. sure, but around that thing. It's a long time, but it's also very important to stress that there's a common exception, like we're talking about it and we're talking about symptoms and I'm talking about it, of things that I couldn't do. And you have to be very careful that, People don't want to see it as negative because they don't want to see, be themselves written off. They don't want to be like, oh, my gosh, if I start missing work because I can't get out of bed and I'm physically tired and I haven't got the mental capacity to do something, then, you know, my job's going to suffer. I might get the sack or something. These symptomatics, it's not like you start perimenopause and you have symptoms every day for the rest of your life. No, no. It ebbs and flows. So I've been relatively good for the last, I don't know, month, months or so. So you might have a spike where something changes and you might feel a bit more one of one symptom than another and then you might be fine doesn't mean it's gone away it just means that you're managing and you're coping at that time and then something else might come along so for me my symptoms of the the sleep and the emotional was the height and it was really bad and it was an effect to me and that's when I went to the doctor so the point of going to the doctor and speaking to them and getting myself put on HRT which is hormone replacement therapy I was lucky that my doctor was like, right, let's just start you and let's just see how you go. I started and that was fine. And I had a few more symptoms from that. So just side effects of why your body's getting used to it. And that was 
aches and pains and generally feeling a bit rubbish. After that petered out, my I'm much calmer. My emotional reactions have calmed down. My sleep is better. So it's it is ebbs and flows. So it's it's a real hard one for women to come forward and go. This is going to affect me. It's not formulaic. It's not like I'm going to have these symptoms on a Monday and then it'll be gone by Friday because it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. But just because on a Monday I might feel absolutely rubbish and you ask me to do something and it may take me twice as long and not saying that it would be, but just something that would just takes me a little bit more time to process and a little more time on doing something a bit longer than I would not doesn't mean that I can't do it. It just means that maybe I need to allow myself more time to do it or maybe I need to look at it in a different way. So it's very hard to say, yeah, I've got brain fog, but I can still organize something for you. But it's just going to take me a little bit longer instead of you going, OK, you've got brain fog. Don't organize for me anymore because that's not no, the point. I can no. still do my job, but it might take me a little bit longer. But then also at this particular moment in time, I'm like, yeah, I feel great. The brain fog for me element was quite scary because I have to be on point. And that's pretty much okay, but it hasn't come back fully. So I I don't feel like I'm 100% of where I was before, but it's okay. I'm doing different things to help me organize. But it just, yeah, it's an understanding of you can still do what you need to do, but there may be times where you have to either allow a bit more time or do it differently or break it down somehow, but doesn't mean that just because you're going through and you experience some symptoms that affect your work doesn't mean that you're not fit to do the task. Do you think that affected perhaps your, not necessarily yours, but do you think that's a factor then in women generally having this discussion as well? The fact that it's not, you know, like a virus that you're you're sick today, you're sick for a week yeah. or three weeks or whatever it might be, and then you're back in and you're back up to speed. It's yeah. the fact that it is come and go it might you don't really know when you're going to have these symptoms or how long they're going to last for once they do present themselves does that make it a harder conversation then to have with with your manager or with with colleagues to say yeah I think so because it's not it's you know it's you get a cold you know roughly it's going to last be out for yeah a few days or whatever and then it stops and then you're fine this isn't that and like I say some women sail through it I wish I was one of those. And that's, you know, and that's great if you do. And some women have a few symptoms, some women have a lot. And like my symptoms at the moment, the the main ones that made me go and seek out being put on HRT, which was emotional, the sleeping and the fog, have eased a lot. Now, that's not to say going forward that I'm not going to get any more. I don't have hot flushes. I'm very lucky. But that's not to say that might not come. You know, I've got the, I, I unfortunately gained a lot of weight as well during the last couple of years, which is down to this. And so that's another aspect of like that, that impacts on you and your confidence and being comfortable and you're trying to manage that and manage everything else. And so, yeah, it can go. But yeah, it's not something that you're going to experience every day. And I, you know, I need allowances every day because there's some weeks it's absolutely like this week has been absolutely fine. fine. Yeah, I've come down to London, we've met up, we've done work, I can travel, but there might be times where I need to do something and if my sleep's then been affected. So it's ebbs and flow, but it's very hard to open yourself up to say, this is potentially going to affect my performance at work because it puts you in a very vulnerable position. And potentially coming from, I suppose, uh, also a vulnerable position in the first place because it's not a secret that women have been treated differently yep. 
to men uh, and still are obviously in, in far too many places, unfortunately, treated differently and do have to work harder, yep. do have to show more wrong, obviously, but, but still happening and happening more in some places than others. And that's, you know, to my mind as well, another reason why it might be, you know, a consideration. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to show no. a sign of weakness yeah. here. I don't want anybody to know that I'm potentially yeah. having problems here. We'll, we'll mask that. And, yeah, and, we'll just carry on. Yeah. A lot of women leave their jobs because of they don't feel that they can do it. So they don't want to show weakness. So they may not, you know, they may leave the role that they're in or they may not go for that promotion or they may not take that next step. I mean, we work in renewables and as much as we at Benton look to bring up that gender divide in the in the company, it is still a male-dominated industry. And if you're working in a technical aspect of that and you're female, your job is twice as hard already to get to the point of your male counterparts to be recognised and rewarded equally as your male counterparts in those technical roles. So then you add this onto it, going into your career further down the line, for example, I mean, you know, if it was me, then at the age of 46 with my male counterparts, yeah, it would be something that, you know, I have to go to, you know, a wind turbine and go up in the lift and go to the top. And if I'm feeling tired or I'm having a hot flush or I'm feeling nauseous. Cramps, muscle pains, yeah, that sort of thing. And I'm like, affecting you at, yeah, at high, the turbine, yeah, yeah. And what am I going to do? Am I going to turn around and go, guys, I can't do this because of this. Am I going to feel comfortable? Or are my work colleagues going to be like, okay, yeah, that's okay. We understand that. What can we do? Can someone of us do it today? And, you know, because also in things like that, it's time critical. Fixing things on a, on a turbine is, it's not like, oh, I'll do it today, I'll do it tomorrow. No. No. Yeah. It costs money. So when you're in those kind of roles, it's an extra added level that you need to think about. And, and that's why some women will feel like, oh, I don't want to do it. Or some women might feel like, oh, at a certain point, yeah, I'm not going to do those kind of roles. I'm lucky I'm office based. And I'm lucky that we have hybrid working. So if in the morning I've had a really bad night for a couple of nights, I can be like, okay, I can literally walk two steps and be working from my office. And I'm fortunate because I have that dialogue with my line manager that I'd be like, okay, I'm going to work, but I'm incredibly tired. I'm going to go back and I'm going to sleep for three hours and then I'll come back online later and finish it off. And that's all completely acceptable because we've walked but we've talked about what my needs are and those those fit and yeah when you have that flexibility it it helps immensely i'll come back to that in a second because that's another important thing i think but just to take a step back because you've mentioned this a couple of times you mentioned hrt a couple of times yep. and for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that is that's essentially using estrogen to replace yep. your body's own levels yep. that are, are lower because of the perimenopause yep. or the menopause and also potentially progesterone as well to protect the womb or the uterus from the effects of the estrogen and potentially on top of that as well testosterone if that's yeah. needed too so there's a little bit of a, a cocktail there yeah so it's it's very like so i went on and i got put on progesterone and the estrogen format and a patch which is very easy now it's not one shop fits all for me at the moment that's working quite well most things are quite good but i am still on the tired level so for me, I do want to investigate the testosterone element of it. And that's another conversation that I'll go back and have with my doctor at some point. But yeah, you may get put on something and it doesn't work. And then you might have to go back and get it tweaked. Or 
you can get it in a powder, you can get it in a gel or sometimes you can take tablets. So it all depends. Again, it doesn't mean you're going to start something and it's going to work and you're going to feel brilliant because this takes time. Yeah. And this is the most common treatment, let's say, for, for want of a better word, to try and, and combat some of these symptoms that you that you get. Yeah. It is a journey, that corny phrase, to, <laughs> to say that you're on it. So at the moment, like I said, mine's working OK. I might want to look into tweaking a little bit. But you may get put on it and some of my friends have been put on it and they're like, oh, no, it doesn't work. Some are like, yeah, it really does. But talking, but it's interesting what you said about your wife, about not wanting to talk. Some women don't. Now, I'm quite happy talking. I don't really talk a lot to people who know me. Shut up. Oh, I'd never have said that. No, really? So I'm okay talking about it. It doesn't really bother me. I'm not fussed about it at all. It's like kind of I'm a bit open book. So if it's like if it gives you information or if you want to come and talk to me, it's great. But some women don't. And some people don't because they're a little bit in denial of, of where they are in their stage of life. I have friends who don't want to talk about it because they also realize that their body is changing and their ability to have children won't be there. And that's another aspect. You know, so for some women, it's quite a big pivotal moment because also society sees you, you know, of no use. You know, once you're past childbearing age, what are you going to do? You know, back in the day, you know, yeah, you're not. Yeah. yeah. So. It's a big thing. And then you bring into that cultural and racial elements of it, you know, of how different races deal with it. It's a big th- And not every woman wants to talk about it. Not everybody w- wants to happily say, yeah, I'm a member of that club. I can imagine that's also disorientating because this was, again, this was part of the conversation I did have with my wife when we were talking about it was the fact that she talked about how when you first get your period, you've been educated oh, yeah. as to what's going to happen and you're expecting it and it it might still be frightening or or create some issues for you at the time when it happens but it's it's something that you're ready for and that you have spoken about either at school or or, you know with your parents or friends or whoever it might be and that's that first real big change for you but then you have potentially 30 plus years of having learnt how your body works and knowing what your natural cycle is and and, and how it affects you each time uh, and how that is. And then suddenly you go out the other end of that, which isn't spoken about, which you're not ready for, which there is no, like you say, conversation about. And a lot of women don't want to talk about it. And suddenly, and she, she told me that she thinks that's probably, you know, more intimidating, I guess, than actually getting your period in the first place because of that, fact that it's not talked about there aren't yeah. these discussions and you've had that i suppose as well as an adult you know your body and, and you're you're much better prepared to understand how everything is working and suddenly you come out the other end yeah. and it's completely changed yeah you don't get taught about it in school like you say as a female your your body and your fertility is made you're made very aware of it from a very early age and we were talking about this earlier and so as a girl you're always like you know this period's going to come and then the period comes and then it you know you're having your periods for many many years and it affects you you know again not one shoe fits all so you know some people have no issues with it some people have the issues or whatever so you have your period and that's fine you learn to live with it as a female and that in itself brings up other issues in the workplace and that's a whole different conversation and then depending on your situation and what you want and what you don't want you then go through that fertility you know journey of if you go down that road or dog you know if you don't do it so that's another chunk of your time you're doing it and then you get to the point where you're at menopause 
So it's like, oh, you're, you know, your body's ready to, to have babies. And this is the time frame when you're having your periods that like you can have babies, you have a purpose. And then menopause, no, you can't have babies. I don't know what your purpose is anymore. But the, the downside of it is, yeah, they will stop, but the stopping of it means certain bits of your body, the biology is changing and those things have an impact. And that is obviously perimenopause and menopause, but you're not told that, you know, estrogen is key for X, Y, Z and what it mm. means to. And even things like, you know, you're not told, you know, we're all aging. It's like, oh, my eyesight's going or I'm aching a bit more. Yeah, that's fine. I'm getting older, but I'm only still 46. But part of that aching is also part of the, you know, perimenopause, partly due to your bone density as a woman yeah, changes. Yeah, yeah. You lose muscle mass through a perimenopause. These things are quite key and you're not told about it. And there's, you know, there's certain things you can help, you know, doing weights. It's really important for women to start doing weights in their 40s because of those changes. Make sure you're getting your calcium. Things that, but again, no one tells you these things because your body's losing its natural supply. It's slowly stopping producing. And then, you know, there's effects of it. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a big old circle that we don't talk about. And you mentioned just going back now to, to the way this affects or can affect you at work and solutions or, or strategies for dealing with that as well. And we're quite <clears throat> lucky in venting, as you say, and I, I suppose a lot more companies these days, maybe partially thanks to COVID as well. And that period where we were all yeah. sent to, to work at home. Um, and then a lot of companies have kept that going and, and venting has an agile policy for uh, working yep. flexible hours, possibly to, to work from home, yep. which is one thing that obviously helps. Like you said before, you, you get up in the morning, you're feeling absolutely terrible, haven't slept a wink. You don't need to get out, get in the car or on the train or whatever, or on your bicycle and, and go into an office and, and, and commute across town and things. Yep. You can do that. And we've got a series of, quite lucky, we have a series of wellness policies, well-being yep. policies. We have a diversity inclusion team. We have a people team. We, yep. we have a, a great HR team who, who support us in that sort of thing. A lot of companies don't have that to the same extent. Yeah. And there's always more that we can do. And we don't have specific policies relating to no. the menopause or perimenopause at all. Do you think that's something that's necessary to, yeah. to include and, and we should be talking about or it should at least be an option yeah, for people for who sure. want to make use of it we do have mental health support yeah. and so on maybe connected partially as we said at the beginning but not not exactly dedicated to this no definitely i think the critical thing is dialogue and talking and as we've mentioned before every woman's different everyone's going to have different experiences of it and they're going to and they may or may not have varying degrees of you know symptoms that may affect them and things like that it's not every day there's going to be something new it's ebbs and flows but yeah there's definitely if I didn't have open dialogue with my line manager if we didn't talk about it all of a sudden I would have been calling sick more often yeah I would have been like right yeah I can't do that today if we didn't have a flexible approach so I'm just going to take the whole day off now, I'm depending on what that symptom is of that time. You know, if it's like I've not slept and I just need a couple more hours sleep. I'm fortunate now that I can I can wake up and go, I've had a really enough night. I need a couple more hours sleep. I know my diary. I know what what's happening. I can make a decision and go, yeah, I'm going to be online from 11. And that's fine. I can roll over and go back to bed and then I can pick up. But if I didn't have that flexibility, that would be a call in the morning going, I'm not can't coming in today. And that's a whole day out. 
Whereas I can say I can, you know, at 12 o'clock if I'm feeling a bit rubbish and I'm like, okay, I just need to step away. I can walk away. I'm going to like, you know what? I'm just going to step away for an hour and a half. I'm going to go for a walk, going to get some fresh air. I'll come back and do my time later. I have that flexibility to be able to walk away, come back and look at, you know, and go, right, this is not working for me right now. I can't sit here for five hours because my concentration's just gone. So yeah, having that conversation means you don't erode that trust also and you know it's not a case then you're all of a sudden as a manager you're seeing a staff member just taking lots and lots of time off and you're like disappearing randomly over the space of yeah what are they doing now i don't you know we're not luckily we don't work in a culture where we have to be sat nine to five and be there and just waiting for stuff to happen we don't want that you know if you want to take a half an hour break yeah then fine do that you manage your own time we're all adults and we all know what we have to do but there are times when yeah i sometimes need i hit my wall and i'm like i can't do anything what's the point of me sitting and just looking at my screen where i can go okay i'm going to shut down now i'll come back sometimes i peak and i'm at seven o'clock eight o'clock i'm like i'm on it i'm like i can sit there and fire off emails on delayed send and get my whole day ready for the next day and that works for me that's conversations that i've had with my line manager and the fact that we do have those flexible approaches to work that i can go right yeah this is what we're going to do and she's like right okay this is what we need and this is what we can offer and i think that's what those conversations need to happen and also i think educating in general for male members of staff is key but I also think just generally just talking openly about it and having a policy that just helps people understand so for example one of my anxiety symptoms that was quite prevalent last year in the beginning of this year randomly was I go to work in Edinburgh on the bus which is great sit on the bus listen to podcasts podcasts are not as good as this one obviously obviously. and just yeah read a book look out the window whatever I started having really bad anxiety about getting the bus if there was going to be space for me at the bus if I was going to get off at the right bus stop even though I know which bus stop I'm getting off at if there was someone next to me would I be able to get off in time these things would just start going off in my head and because I'm able to work from home I was just able to go okay no this is too much Today, I'm literally going to walk 15 steps and sit in my office. This is not the day to take the bus. This is not the day to take the bus. And even just things like that, we're able to just make our own decisions. So, you know, I like to be in the office. I do find it nice to go in and I do find it conducive. However, there are some days that I'm like, this isn't going to happen today because, you know, it's just not going to happen. I've either not slept well or I'm a bit emotional or I've got a bit of anxiety in that morning or I'm in a bad mood. And I might, you know, bite somebody's head off. Might be better just to stay at home. And it's things like that that help. But an understanding of why is very key because I think people just assume that you're going to have hot flushes for six months and then it's over. That's it. That's it. And even some of the words we've used so far, you know, perimenopause was a word I had no idea existed before we started talking about doing this podcast episode. For me, the menopause was when your period stopped, when your no longer able to have children yeah. and that was probably about the extent of my knowledge yeah. didn't know perimenopause was the period leading up to it it's joyous didn't didn't know how long this could last yes yeah, ridiculously long knew a few of the symptoms not many and again like we said that's all about education and awareness which is probably the biggest thing from my understanding and, and my view of this 
that, that we need to, yeah. to develop and promote because without that, anything else that we put in place doesn't really have the maximum benefit. Also, it's... And not, not just, I mean, we're focusing a lot on male colleagues here, but we said as well, there's a lack of understanding around this from women as well. Yeah, for sure. There is. And I have have only started learning about it because I'm going through it. So I'm only now going out and reading about it and looking for information. I'm lucky that my mum is an ex-nurse, so she's very au fait with it. And so when talking to her about it and what she went through in her time, which was very much, I'll just put up with it. This is what this is part of being a woman and carry on regardless. And that's what she did. And she was like, it was absolutely hell, you know, that you're doing this. And then there's a lot of women who are doing this and still have jobs and have children and are juggling all those things that women do. I do class myself as fortunate of not having children. That's a choice. So I only have me to think about. And I found it bad enough just coping with what I'm going through and with my work. So it is multifaceted and it's going to affect people in different ways. And yeah, where do people go to get the information? Where do, you know, where do guys go to get the information? Because your partner or a female member of your family may be going through this and you might want to understand them, but where, where are you going to go? To yeah, get the exactly. Or, or team as well at work, because that's the other thing is it's understanding what is happening. Yeah. And, and if you do know what's happening, then suddenly that becomes a totally yeah. different conversation. Yeah. Also, it's not right to just assume that, you know, if I'm a bit short with somebody on a day that, oh, it's she's short with me because, you know, she's going through the pandemic. I'm a bit short with you because you really just annoyed me. And just don't assume that everything, every symptom that I have is down to that. If you've been annoying and I've, I've told you you've been annoying, it's because you've been annoying. But at the same time, if you if you do something or you ask me something and I am, you know, incredibly short, it could be because of that. Just to have an understanding of, you know, if someone says to you, well, I'm going through this. I don't think a lot of people would say that. I mean, I'm quite open and honest with the team. So I kind of let you guys know, like, if I go off camera, it's probably likely because I'm going to cry, you know. And that's happened a couple of times in team calls. And that's fine. I feel comfortable saying it. But not everybody is going to is going to feel like that. And it doesn't mean that every time I'm on teams, I don't have my camera on, it's because Davina's crying. I might be feeling my, you know, having a cake. You know, yeah. and I just don't want you to see. But it's it's just also not to assume all the time. Because that is the flip side as yeah. well, in the same way that facetious jokes about, you know, PMT and, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. on. It's it's the same sort of thing in this yeah. situation. Yeah, I can still find you annoying. That's got nothing to do with perimenopause. Yeah. A little harsh, but we'll but gloss over that. Just, just you know, get it out We'll edit this out. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, and open communication is the other yeah. big one. Like we said, that comes from the education and the awareness, and then that opens that door for the, for the communication. And then the sure. communication can then build into all of the other things that we've talked about so you have those flexible workplace arrangements the chance to, to do flexi hours if it's possible not possible in every job understand that as no. well but the chance to work from home the chance to balance that work-life balance in the sense not of you know work rest and play but work and rest more than anything else and, and get, yeah. getting yourself back and then other policies that, that the company might bring in to help i talked about hot flashes mm. briefly right at the start yep. um and that's something that you know just cooling systems and yeah, working heating systems, decent, you know, bathrooms or quiet spaces or showers. Great if you're in the office, you know, you may need to think 
of something more when you're on site of, you know, maybe just having a nicer, comfortable-ish chair if you just want to sit or, you know, access to water and stuff like that, which we do have on most of our sites. So it's those little things. I think it's also important to remember, you know, menopause is not an illness. It's not. It's something that we go through. And as we're working longer, it's going to affect more and more people. You know, unfortunately, we will have to work longer. It's just that's just a fact of life. Yeah. You know, till the lottery win comes in. So so it's going to affect more women in the workplace as we go forward. So, yeah, the little the little things can do like we're very lucky. Ventian, you know, the Headspace app is really great. We have the EAP system. So I could speak to somebody completely independent and talk, you know, about how I was feeling so we have that we have obviously the payments towards going to the gym because gym and movement is all you know it's all very good for you and access to private health care so those things all do help but obviously it's not always applicable in every industry but the one thing that we can all do which is free is talk yeah. and that i think is the basis for everything and understanding that yet yeah, it's not about oh as soon as any woman starts doing this they're not going to be capable to do their job because no they were capable before they'll still be capable they may just not be on it 100 percent of the time all the time so you may have blips along the and way who is exactly that's human but the person going through it will will always feel that there's a little bit more it's a bit more prevalent or it's a bit more noticeable that's how i felt i was like oh my god people are just going to know and it's just like i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing you feel that oh everyone knows and then you, you start on that spiral again. And that for me, that's what I felt. But that, for, for different people, it's different things. But And maybe a message there as well, because like I said at the beginning, you know, we had a brief conversation, didn't go into great detail, but no. that you were going through something. But I didn't, from my perspective, see any effect there no. on your work. I mean, aware, yes, that you were a little bit more emotional and that you were not always available, but I didn't see any effect on that at all. So that's Again, a little bit maybe about the anxiety and, yeah, and, the anxiety, and that's yeah. thinking, what are they going to yeah. be seeing? What are they going to be thinking? But, and that's not happening. And that can run away with you. And again, it's part of that, the systematic fault, you know, the causes of it, because it's not something when you start spiraling down that road, it becomes it's not something that you're naturally thinking of. But because you, you've lost a bit of self-confidence, you've, you, you get a little bit of anxiety. You You just feel like, oh. I'm not doing it, so therefore they're going to notice. And then we're like, oh, well, she can't do it anymore. And it, you have to be very careful that you don't go down that road. And like, yeah, like you say, we're not all on 100% of it all the time. That's just, no, it no. doesn't happen. But you can feel sometimes when you're going through it. And I definitely did feel, I was like, oh, I haven't done what I was supposed to do. And, or I haven't done it this way. And, oh, my God. And that self-doubt. And when you've, I've been fortunate that I've never been in that scenario before. So I've never had... But yeah, we all have self-doubt. I'm not like, oh my God, I'm the greatest at everything. Obviously I am. But, um, not really. But when you, you know, you're comfortable in doing a, you know, a task or a skill that you, you're very comfortable in. For me, it's organizing. I know I'm like, yeah, I can do that. That's, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do that. But all of a sudden, when something that is your bread and butter becomes a little bit alien or you're having to think about it, then your self-doubt starts in and then you can go somewhere. And so, for me that was yeah that wasn't a nice feeling it was not you didn't feel it I didn't feel in control of something that generally I'm normally in quite control of and I was like yeah I don't like this feeling it wasn't it wasn't nice at all no no and I can imagine that's really difficult especially especially when it's something like you say you know potentially simple tasks that 
you've been doing every day for a long time that you know you could do with your eyes closed and suddenly having that feeling of I can't do it. No, I don't even think it's simple tasks. It's just your everyday tasks. It's your things that you know you do well. So, you know, I know I do organization really well. I know that I review numerical data really poorly. So something that I do well that I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no. Not happening. No. And the first thing I want to do about it is cry. Then you're like, oh, okay, this is not good. Those symptoms for me were huge and they really impacted my work or how I worked because you know it did impact on what I was doing so I mean if I had other symptoms like and not the anxiety and the confidence if I just like had more physical symptoms of like hot flushes and feeling nauseous or feeling bloated which are also symptoms um mask them more and probably gone right okay well that doesn't really impact on what I'm doing but yeah grin and bear it a little bit more on that sort of yeah thing. so when it's it, when it's a mixture of the two it's it's quite it's um yeah it's yeah, it's a lot mental and physical time yeah. together it's creates the perfect storm it does and we have said several times that this is not something that is the same for all women it's yeah. not easy to necessarily pin it down no what advice do you think you could give to somebody who thinks they may be going through the perimenopause or starting to go into the perimenopause and, and how they could or should try and, and, and deal with that at work? I think the best thing you can do is educate yourself. So obviously look at like NHS websites. There's a great doctor called Dr. Louise Newson who has a podcast. Again, um, not as, not good, as, as good as this one. one, obviously. And she is one of the leading doctors in perimenopause and menopause. She also has an app called Balanced, and it's often used by GPs. So often when you go and see the GP and you start talking, they will like, use this app, go away for three months and monitor your symptoms. So I would say to anybody who thinks they may be starting this journey, use the app and see. And if you're not an app person, get a book and write down today, felt tired. Mm-hmm. bloated bit grumpy tomorrow whatever and then keep that going and see how your symptoms are you know your own body and this is the thing i could have easily have gone to the doctors and said i'm getting a little bit of anxiety and i'm losing my confidence and they're like mm, you might be a bit depressed let's put you on antidepressants yeah and that's what happens a lot i was going to say that's another thing that is used yes but you don't want to be misdiagnosed no. and, and for the doctor to think this is just depression you, there needs to be some no and i don't have, in your no, own exactly. mind before there's nothing wrong on being antidepressants if that is what your symptom is and that's the best course of action yeah, for you that's exactly what you should do however for me it wasn't part of me being depressed it's part of my symptoms on my perimenopausal journey so i yeah i'm i'm lucky that i wasn't misdiagnosed in that sense but a lot of women are and you might be feeling a bit depressed as part of this because there's a lot going on so yeah track your symptoms monitor see how you're feeling take that 5 minute check of like what what is it you know what am i not feeling what what's happening use the app or use a book or whatever talk talk to female members of your family if you've got work colleagues you think you can talk to talk to them i would suggest you go and seek medical advice and see what they say and don't be afraid to ask back in the day hrt was very different medicines changed technology's changed and it was mm-hmm. a kind of last resort that you were put on it and you weren't putting it for very long because it increased your 
chances of getting various forms of cancer, breast cancer, ovarian cancer. Yeah. That's changed now. There is still a slight risk, but they are willing to put people on HRT much earlier, hence why I'm on it and I'm 46. Yeah, and the benefits far outweigh exactly those risk. small risks yeah. that there are now. And they, you know, my doctor was female. She was incredibly good. I went to see her and she gave me a big stack of information and explained it to me and said, go and read all of this. And if you're okay with it, we can start you on it straight away. And if we need to tweak, we'll tweak. So I was very fortunate. I didn't have to go away and monitor my symptoms. I think partly the reasons I didn't have to do that is I was explaining to her my symptoms while crying at the time <laughs> and basically saying, I can't do this for 20 years. I can't every time I need to have a conversation in tears. I thought, I've got to work for another 20 years as much as I don't want to. But that's a fact of life. And I was like, it is affecting the way I work at work. So she was like, yeah, no, this, let's stop this now and let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, yeah, if you get fobbed off for your doctor, go and see another doctor. Monitor your symptoms. Go in armed. Go in with a bit of education and know, right, okay, this is happening. I'm getting this symptom and this symptom and this symptom. And just, and just you know, listen to yourself if you think, you know, don't self-doubt. And I know that's really hard because one of them is... Is self-doubt, as yeah. we said before, yeah. <laughs> so it's really hard. So for women on women, yeah, go and do that. For work, for corporate, I think speak to your manager. And if you're unable to do that, then use your HR function. But definitely speak to your manager. Start that conversation. And again, I know I'm incredibly fortunate because I have a female line manager. We have a very good relationship. However, I would really implore you to have that conversation or speak to somebody Like you say, if it can't be your line manager because you're not comfortable with that, then you do have the HR team. Talk to somebody and and make sure that conversation is happening. Yeah, or if you feel more comfortable speaking to another female manager who's not necessarily your own, then do that. But you do speak to somebody. It's really important because it will affect you and how you feel at work. And, you know, you're there at work to do your job and do it to the best of your capability that you can. And most, you know, you want to do that. However, there are times where that might not be possible. And that's not anybody's fault. That's just biology. It's just biology doing its thing. We can't do anything about it. So you just, you know, you need to have those conversations so you know what you can do and see what little things you can put in place. And it could be just really simple things of I'll start an hour later every day. Yeah. Because my sleep is really rubbish and we'll just do that. And, you know, it gives you that. I don't have to rush or, you know, if you're doing that daily commuting, can you come in half an hour later? Because then, you know, if something doesn't run on time, you're not stressing, then you don't arrive at work stressed. And it could be just very small little changes that just could make a very, very big difference. And what about on the corporate side? Not necessarily venting, but in general, what do you think that, you know, is the the most important thing that, that HR departments or inclusive committees or whatever you have in your company should be doing maybe two in two different scenarios one to put in place for women who may be coming up to to menopause or perimenopause but also on the on the manager side to to make sure that line managers are educated on this and and, and understand it and then make that conversation an an easier option for i think it's talking i think basically it's, it's communication it's very hard to say go to hr all the time because like HR as much as HR and especially our HR eventing are great however they're not all the front of all knowledge and people always think they are (laughs) because they should be there HR should know everything there's enough resource I think out there or you know there's enough resource to get somebody in to talk about something or 
access to podcasts or access to apps. And I do think for managers, both male and female, is having information of understanding what it is. Because I think when you say, like you said, you didn't know what perimenopause was. You've had a menopause, but you didn't know what perimenopause was. No, no. I'm sure you're not the only male in the world who he's like yeah i didn't even know that was a thing because you think menopause you think old lady and that's it you don't necessarily think of someone who is you know in their 40s so who's going through this journey so again misconception what does it mean it might not mean anything for some women and that's great but it might mean something for some and most you know and yeah, I just think conversation and education, but also just having an understanding of what it is and what it means and how it can impact, but not an impact that, you know, as soon as one of your females says, oh, I think I'm going for the menopause, you're like, right, so your job stops here because it doesn't, because the, the skill and the talent is still there. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you need to retain that talent and you need to keep it and you need to still nurture it because your talent's change anyway as you get older and you get more experience but yeah it's knowing that yeah i'm still capable of doing the job absolutely 100 percent. but there may be some days where it takes me a bit longer or i go about it a bit of a different way or i might need allowance just because of how i may be going through something else that may have an impact on it so it's having that flexibility if that's possible yeah in in, in your role and then also the talking the talking and the listening yeah, talking and the listening. And again, not one shoe fits. And I, like I said, I'm happy to talk. There may be a lot of women at Venture who don't want to talk about it. A lot of the women at Venture are actually quite, again, younger than me. I'm like a really old bird at Venture. So, yeah. Just coming into your prime. Oh, yeah, obviously. But yeah, so it may not be something that everybody wants to talk about. And that is absolutely fine. It's not a really great club to be in, really. But there's more of people in that club than you know. That's right. And, and, and it's, as you say, it's natural. It's, it's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, it's biology. And, and, and being aware of that and having an understanding of it, it can, can only help. Yeah, it can only help. For, for, for all of us. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, I think talking to you today has been great. I've learned more than, than I, I did a lot of research for this and, and a lot of reading, but I've learned far more, I think, talking to you today and, and oh, great. hearing about, you know, your personal experience of it as well, which I think is, is also, important and far more interesting as well than reading a, a piece on a web page or in a or in a book and thank you for being so open about it all not a problem happy happy to share and happy to answer anybody's questions who may be listening to this and want to reach out yeah like i said i'm no expert and this is all different for everybody but yeah happy to start those conversations if people want to have them that's great davina thank you so much thanks sam well i think that was really a great conversation and there's a lot to take away from it, too much almost to, to sum up in conclusion to this podcast. But I think the main takeaway is that apart from the various policies and support options and increased flexibility that, that we discussed and that certainly all make a difference, the real game changer is talking, uh, opening up about the menopause, making it a normal subject of discussion and removing that barrier that exists, because really that's what then allows us to move on to all of those other things that, that companies can implement, organisations can implement, and that can really start to make things better for all of the women in the workplace who are going through this or who will go through this in the future. 
But this isn't the end of the discussion today because we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments as well and to engage with you all. Keep this discussion going. This isn't a closed session. So please do comment on this podcast or get in touch with us on social media. You can find Vintian Energy on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, and if you've enjoyed today's episode, then please also like and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word. You know, tell your friends and colleagues, because the more people who listen, the more this will continue to engage and drive change. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again on Climate of Change. Climate of Change.